short thing in the Word, and then we'll go to testimonies. Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. And they shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations. And in, the glory, in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, and they are the offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a, like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, and as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. All right. So this passage, you can look at it. It's very similar to Isaiah 55. I really had a hard time. I was debating whether to do this one or 55 this morning. But um, these passages are similar to each other, right? 55 and 61. What is the passage about? Well, the first thing it's about is God is bringing good news. Right? Starts in verse 1. says, to bring good news. And to who? To the poor. One of the things, if you look at Isaiah... You wouldn't be doing wrong if you compared it with the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor, because they will be rich. Blessed are the meek, right? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, and the blessed are those who don't have something now. They will have something in eternity, right? And I think another way of looking at the Beatitudes is to say this. I count as nothing what I have now so that I can have more in eternity, right? And another way of putting it is, I put my ownership not in what is transitory, but what is eternal. So when I look at Isaiah, what I see is this, that Jesus inspired Isaiah to say these things, but God's word amplifies God's word. I understand the Beatitudes better now because I've read through Isaiah, and I understand Isaiah better because I've read through the Beatitudes. I understand who his servant is and what his covenant is because I've read through Romans and Hebrews. I understand more about Jesus Christ because I've read through the Gospels. But all of God's word informs more of God's word, right? That's why it's bad to get stuck in one place. A lot of churches in America right now, all they do is go through the letters of Paul. That's all they do. 
And the reason they do that is because as you go through the letters of Paul, and there's nothing wrong with the letters of Paul, but Paul, he thinks in straight lines. And so for a lot of seminary-trained people, Paul is easy to break down, right? You can follow the logic of Paul pretty simply. But not so much John, who thinks in circles. You might say, what do I mean by thinking in circles? Well, if you look at John, you look at the way he thinks, and Dad is nodding because he starts at a point, and he thinks of all these things, and he comes back to the point. And then he kind of builds on that point again, and he does another circle. And that's how John thinks. And James thinks entirely differently, right? James is just going through what he thinks at the time. Hey, my brothers, this is what we should be doing. Let not anybody say, right? He's just, James don't like a lot of talk. If you look through the book of James, every time somebody did something bad, because they said something, right? So you go through James, and you learn something different. You go through Peter, you learn something different. You go through Luke, and you can't help but go through Luke, and you see each chapter has a theme because Luke is so smart, right? Luke is so brilliant. Mark is so simple, right? He's not stupid, but he's simple. He doesn't have any fluff. It's just right to the point. Every single book is different, but every single book amplifies different truths, and that's why we have to build on those, right? So... We're informed about Isaiah 61 because we learned about 55 this morning. He says, to bring good news to the poor, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. These are all illustrations of salvation, right? You look through these first four verses, what salvation is is a couple of things. The first thing is good news to the poor, right? It is binding up what is broken. It's opening prison. It's proclaiming a time of goodness. It's joy. It's praise. It's rebuilding what generations have destroyed. Think about our civilization now. We have people who are going to be saved who had a sex change. We have people who are going to be saved that used to be homosexual. We have people who are going to be saved who have kids with a lot of different baby mamas. We have people that are going to have problems. And in the world's way of viewing things, if you are doing any of these things, if you're addicted to heroin, if you're addicted to crack, if you're addicted to anything, they don't have a cure. They do not have a cure. There is no program, there is no system, there is no education. We alone have the cure for these things. So when they come into the church, the reason that I take church so seriously, right, the reason why I take the catechism so seriously, the reason why I take Sunday school so seriously, is because God's word, word brings the answer. All these people could be considered to be locked in prison. But they don't believe it, right? Last week, Dad was teaching on John 8, and what the Pharisees say? We ain't slaves. And Jesus is confounded. Whatever you do, you're subject to. Everybody in the world looks at the person that's addicted to heroin and is about to die off of that and thinks they're better, 
but they can't stop looking at their pornography. They can't stop looking at people that's not their husband. They can't stop gossiping. They can't stop lying. I know some people who are in such habit of lying that they have to catch themselves when the truth is actually to their advantage. How is that person better? How is that person better? Whatever we do, we become slave to. And that's the same for Christians, right? Paul said we should yield ourselves to it because you know what? Actually, we do have the power. At least we have power to fight it. But they don't even have power to fight it. But we offer in salvation the power to fight. But it's still a fight. It says in verse 5, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. And what you get from there is, it's this little bit that I got from Ecclesiastes. If you don't mind turning with me, it's a little bit of a weird interpretation that I got for you here. But I think it's good. If you turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you look at the very end, he says, this is verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give it to one who pleases God. The whole point of that is this. All the riches in the world, they're only rented to the wicked. If he's not saved, he can't take his money with him. I put in God straight to heaven. That's why Jesus commended the unrighteous manager. Me and Chantel was talking about that, about the unrighteous manager, how many interpret that wrong. He don't understand what the real point of it is, and the real point is this. He was praised because he was losing his job. He used the position to even commit fraud. He used his position. He was using what he was going to lose already to get what he wanted. We're going to lose this world's riches one way or another. Fire can burn, and moths can eat. The storm in heaven. another way, right? He says, you will eat the wealth of the nations. In their glory, you shall boast. And what's that mean is, you build a statue, it's going to be mine one day. So when you go out there and you see these sinners build things, right? You see them build a palace, a mansion. They buy their nice bling, watches that's as thick as a whole forearm. It's going to be mine one day. You're just doing it for me. Because if you don't make it so that when you come, when Christ returns to this earth, you'll be with him, all the riches that are here are not going to be for you. He says in verse 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. Now, I don't believe that many Christians are in our ways. We sometimes have to learn to love justice. What, what I'm trying to learn how to do now is I'm trying to learn to love God's justice and his judgment of eternity because I truly don't like that, right? 
I just can't lie. I may seem like a hard person, but I don't like the fact that somebody goes there. So accountability is you have learned to hate my sin, even if I haven't. So when I tell you about it, you give me the proper response. That's what accountability is supposed to be, right? And we're supposed to be teaching each other how to properly think about these things. He says, I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Part of the thing about God's justice is it seems harsh, but it's also a joy to those of us who's righteous, right? God is going to judge based off of whether your sins are paid for. We could all jump up and praise, right? It's like he called all of our name in the lottery. Yes! We jump up for joy. God is calling people from every race and every nation, right? But another way you could think of it is this way is we're the only ones who are going to survive when the world is judged, right? We're going to be the only descendants of man. Just like Noah. Noah went through the flood. Noah had the only, he was the only man left. So he was the descendant, right? Him and his family were the descendants of man. If there was anything left on the ground after the flood, it was theirs. Because they were the only ones left. They survived the flood. We will survive the second judgment. Maybe we don't have an ark. But we're going to be riding still with Jesus, just like Noah was. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Right? Just like chapter 55 ended with rejoicing, right? Remember the hills was jumping up and down, the mountains was singing, the trees was clapping. This one ends with rejoicing too. My, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. Salvation, salvation is not a one-time experience. I'm going to tell you a truth. And hope are continually being saved because we're always protected by God, right? Think of it this way. God, nobody can take us out of the Father's hand, right? That's part of saving too. You can't go into God's hand. He's continually keeping you saved. You can't even unsave yourself right? Nobody can unsave you. You are always continually being preserved, that kind of salvation. And then the third kind of salvation is we wait to be saved, right? You say, how do we wait to be saved? Because we wait for the final time when God says, come up here. If you don't understand those aspects of salvation, you'll have a hard time with Peter because he uses salvation in different ways, right? But salvation is more than just something you just have. A robe as a bridegroom decks himself, right? The whole thing of it is the illustration that you're getting from here, and he could have used it in our day. He could say a referee is going to wear what? Black and white. A baseball player going to wear a baseball uniform. Soccer player going to wear a soccer jersey. A basketball player going to wear a basketball jersey. A saved person wears salvation. That's a beautiful verse. Actually, you could probably use that verse to premise any bit of what John Calvin teaches about the sovereignty of God, could you? Because who causes righteousness to sprout up? Not me. Not you. But God. 
just like none of us can make a seed and choose which seed grows and which seed can never produce life, none of us chooses who's going to be saved. But God will miss none. So that's a little bit of God's word from Isaiah. Doctrine and theology. They were regular folks like you and me. And the prophets, too. You don't have to know every bit of ancient Israel. It helps, right? Every bit you know helps. But you don't have to know all that to understand the goodness of what I just read, do you? So don't be intimidated by the prophets either. All right, with that, let's open up. First, I wanted to thank everybody uh, in the church for praying for my job situation. Uh, I want to thank everybody you know, for just no matter what part of it you became aware of that I was looking for a job, just thank you for praying for for me and for just Megan and the kids. Um, I just am just so happy with this job. I just finished my first week of it, and it is just thrilling. I mean, uh, first couple of days, of course, with the paperwork and everything, it was really boring. But when we got finally got to outside with the hands-on training, it was just so awesome. I mean, we, we were doing a lot of physical work. I mean, we we're doing a lot of exercising, and I'm, Still feeling a little achy in some parts of my body. I mean, on Wednesday, I was talking with Shimon, and I was telling her that I'm like, my legs were pretty much jelly. But after recovering, like today, I'm feeling like really, I'm feeling so good. Um, this past Friday, um, they actually were like amazed by how like gung ho I was to go at it. I had, to, had probably climbed this tree. I had to be maybe about 50, between 50 and 60 feet. I climbed it to the top of that, and I was hanging on with my harness and. You know how it's been rainy all week, you know, just hardly seen the sun, and the sun finally came out, and I got to the top of that tree, and the, uh, the wind was coming through, and it made the branches sort of wave a little bit, but I, I don't know, I just felt such a relief that I was at a job that I enjoyed, and I'm like, you know, getting paid when I'm getting paid is certainly a bonus, but I actually am at peace. Like, I was up there, just let go, and just, just lean back, and just said, just thank God. That I'm, I just feel so good being up there. And I just look forward to just, <laughs> the training is about three and a half to four years long before i actually going to be an official arborist. But in the meantime, I know I'm going to enjoy the mess out of this. And I'm just thankful to everyone who has been praying for it. And I'm, that's just my testimony. I'm just thankful to God for just being in a place that I really am happy. I praise God. Mike, raise your hand. I'm guessing this is a couple months due, but I just figure I, after hearing Pastor speak on the idea of being thankful and the idea of letting others know what you're thankful for on Wednesday night, I just felt I had to come through and just say this. A little update on me. Uh, first off, uh, I officially moved out of my parents' house to have my own place now for about three months. Um, praise God for that. Uh, I'm actually in the process of looking for a, a house of my own. Um, so just pray for me on that if I'm in the right place and right um, house for that situation. Uh, second, um, praise God for my job. Uh, sometimes it can be a little hectic and a little worrisome, but I hit two years on the ninth. Um, it's just I got let go from manpower. I was worried about what will I do next? What is my next step? What is this? What is that? But I just thank God for leading me here. 
Uh, I just pray for whatever is next. Let me say I may want another job, but it's whatever God leads me to, I'm open to. Um, and that's for you. I just want to give a testimony just about where I am now and let you guys know where I am and how to pray for me. So, thank you. Thank you. I just praise God for, um, we've been having some teaching from uh, Jeremy in Sunday school and um, from my husband and from Brian Christopher. And um, as I was working in the hospital in Aurora, I could see a lot of people and a lot of them, you know, when, when they are so confused and screwed up with the word of God, it's just a shame how people lead other people astray because they don't really understand God's word or they go to these churches that just don't teach God's word and they continue to sit up in them and we take for granted um Jeremy was saying sometimes you see the bad things so God will show you the blessings that you do have but I just thought all the people that have been led astray when some people say I don't go to church because people is um, no good or the pastor was sleeping with so-and-so when they be telling those stories a lot of times them stories is true mm-hmm. and um it saddens my heart when I hear that because the word of God is so is so precious and so valuable. Those people are going to give account for God's word and leading those people astray and um, uh, making them think that the God, word of God uh, okays their sin or this is what men of God really look like. And it's, it's very disturbing. And when I see um, our church, it makes me say, don't take for granted. You think every church that you see with a cross on top is teaching the word of God. It is not. The majority of them are not. They really are not. We like to think that. We like to think, oh, um, oh, all the churches out there, they really preaching the word. No, they're not. They are not preaching the word of God. And when you see people that are, when they start talking about God and God's word, you see how confused people really are and how they've been led astray and how people have led them astray. So I just appreciate the preach of God's word and how people have taken the time or leaders in our church have taken the time um, to dissect God's word and to proclaim it in a way that is worthy to be proclaimed. So I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, mind quick. Um, I just want to thank God for allowing me to see um, 29 and just <laughs> uh, blessing me with a great family, a great church, and just helping me um, um, to grow as a Christian and a friend and mom and a wife so I'm just really thankful for what, what God is doing in my life and I'm ready to see what's next praise God uh, just like a continuation of the last testimony I was given about my job and me too just my new job I really enjoy it in the first couple of weeks it was you know it's training and you're going through the different things and I was told I was going to do one thing, and it was something else, but that was completely fine. And But this last week was really, honestly, I don't want to use the word stressful, but it was it was a lot. Um, I don't know if anyone, how, well, I know most people watch the news, but I didn't even know about this till the end of the assignment. But a, a woman came in, and her, her son has pad, had passed, and he was in the Army. And I didn't know nothing about the story until the end of it, where it was the soldier who died in Italy, and they didn't know what happened, and his funeral was yesterday. But at the beginning, she came about a week before the funeral, and we were working on her her program. And <laughs> actually, I also tell people, I'm like, it's hard because my job, I don't want to always talk about obituaries and funerals because they're not usually a happy occasion, and no one, one hears, wants to hear a sad story. But this is not super sad. But um, she would not talk to anybody else but me 
like throughout the whole week of putting this obituary together and you know I had a lot of jobs on my desk and she would call me and we're going back and forth about putting this 16 page program together for her son and and um, my coworkers were telling me they're like how we they don't know they couldn't understand like how all of us especially me they said at this particular point can deal with these families that come in with death in their family because it's not an easy occasion and I just want to thank God for just particularly that one because I just wanted to make sure that I was a light in a situation that seemed so dark she wasn't ready for me to give her the gospel or anything I'm not a therapist a counselor and I'm not God but I, every step of the way I just try to let God just speak through me and and work in her because at the end <laughs> actually the night before I couldn't even sleep because I wanted this program to be done but done properly so her and her family could you know have something special to keep as in memory but God has truly just been working in me in this job because there have been moments where sometimes it's I have to put aside what's going on with me and allow myself to be used and and I have to tell, and I am allowed to say to certain people, like, I'm going to pray for your family. I'm praying for you. And, I have, and in some cases, you know, I, I'm able to just let them know that, you know, they have to just turn to God because otherwise, you know, they, it's only a small view of what hope is like or what it is to deal with someone who's passed away in their family. Because as we all know, in most cases, everybody that dies is going to go to heaven. That's what they think. And that's not true. And it's so hard to sit there and and I don't know the family and I don't know the person and of course I can't judge their salvation status on just reading what I have to read that's going in the obituary but I still know because in some situations it's like if if it was on the news or if they're sharing something about their family I just have to be like you know, I have to just be honest as I can and trust in God to just work through that situation but it's been a very good experience outside of that just finding favor with my boss even <laughs> through some mistakes that I've made and my coworkers, we get into conversations like there's two of us that you know go to church and I feel like we're on the same page as far as beliefs but then someone else was like I was raised Muslim and someone else was like I was raised Christian Scientology something something and I was like oh okay so we're having these conversations but it's respectful conversations and it's understanding so I just want everyone to continue to pray for me on my job and just those that I interact with and that um, that when opportunities present themselves that God will just shine through me because it's not about me it's about him and people truly seeing the light and dealing with the situations that's in front of them mm -hmm. I just want to thank God for um, the gift of motherhood and just that is truly a blessing and um, I don't ever want to take for granted how amazing the whole process is and how everything has to go right. Um, I often tell people, like, I don't know how you can go through the process of pregnancy and giving birth and raising children and not believe in God from just everything developing so they look like a human being, like a little human, um, to just being able to birth them and bring them into this world. And then also from just keeping them from themselves because little kids are somewhat suicidal um, as they like jump off of stuff and everything. So I just thank God for that and then also just the blessing of a strong father figure for my children in the house and how um, God has truly blessed me and the kids 
um, just with Jeremy being there. And um, even when he's working overtime a lot, just the small moments he takes with the kids makes such a huge difference to them. And um, I just think about how God is using him to help raise the next generation of men, um, which is truly lacking in our society. And so I'm just really grateful and, and don't ever want to take for granted how um, blessed I truly am, especially in that area. I just want to uh, praise the Lord um, for uh, tomorrow is uh, me and Trinace's, uh, Trinace and I, I and Trinace, how you say that. It's our 32nd wedding anniversary, and so I praise God, 32 years. Uh, we met, she was 16, yep. And so we've been together a lot longer than 32 years, but we've been married for 32 years, and I praise God for that and um, for all the blessings that he's given me and uh, the things he's brought us through, and uh, despite ourselves, <laughs> despite ourselves. Somebody would say, what is one of the greatest characteristics or one of the things that God has taught you in 32 years of marriage? And I would say, Trinesh would probably say forgiveness. Um, but I would say <laughs> teaches you patience and and to trust in him, trust in him, and uh, don't allow the immediacy of a circumstance to just cause you to make stupid or rash decisions. Uh, we stick in there and stay in there. If God is not the center of your relationship, the center of your marriage, it's not going to last. And I just, you know, I praise God for 32 years of marriage. I like to praise God for who he is and for saving me as he did, the way he did it. And I really didn't know that I had been called by him at first. And there were people in this church, women in this church, that helped me to understand what I had experienced. Um, so it was like Miss Boone and Miss Shirley and Miss Hope, they talked to me about it and, and explained to me what I had felt at that moment. And I just praise God for just touching me and saving me and drawing me here to itself. I think for the ministry here and the teaching of God's word, which means a lot to me. And I always let people always ask what church I go to, like at Shamon's uh, boss's um, celebration yesterday. I met this lady named Ruby. And uh, <laughs> I told her I had a lady friend in my church. Her name was Ruby. And we got to talking. And she has a skin condition where her skin is color is fading away. And so we got to talking. And I told her, you know, it's a, it's a young actress that's black. And she has the same condition as you. And she's not afraid to show it. And she's still beautiful. And she said, yeah. And I said, you know, people don't look at you as if you're beautiful. They look at you like there's something wrong with you. And I said, that's no way God made us. We're all God's children regardless. And she said, you know, people don't look at it like that. I said, no. They want to talk about you, make fun of you, but not see you as a child of God and that you're beautiful anyway. Another thing I want to thank the Lord for is for just giving me a boldness to speak to people 
about him and how much I love him and about the teaching and the preaching that goes on here at Sweet Communion and how much love is here. And I want to thank God for my children, um, for Reggie and for Shamon. Shamon uh, has uh, been a blessing since uh, we got her. But I look at her now growing as an adult as she grew up, how intelligent and how much God she has in her and how she doesn't, she brings it out in her own way. You know, she's always posting stuff on Facebook about the day and different Bible verses and uh, how she deals. And I just want to thank God for it because I look at her and watch her when she speaks and how she talks to people. God has given her a warm and loving, caring heart. He has made her so smart, and she's just always been a blessing. She's a blessing to people that she knows and people that she talks with. Um, I thank God for her, and I thank God for my son. And I pray for him every day. Lately, he seems to be more peaceful and more calm in his spirit. So I'm praying that this is God working with him to change him. And I just want to thank God for It's just so much to thank him for, you know, just for my life, you know. But I just really want to thank him for my children and uh, especially for blessing me with them and for their father, for Charles, um, who really cares for them and is always there to help them and encourage them and give them the right way to go. But uh, I just want to praise God for my kids and thank him for them.